I'm Marcus Pibworth and welcome to the Ministry of Change podcast. Ministry of Change is a project in which I'm travelling around the UK exploring mental health. I'm exploring my own experiences with depression and anxiety and speaking to other people about their experiences. I'm connecting with people and projects that are either directly or indirectly having a positive effect on the way that we view and talk about our mental health. And I'm looking at how the way that we have structured society impacts our mental health and the possible systemic changes we could make to create a world in which everybody can be themselves and really thrive. For this episode, I visited the offices of Off The Record, an organisation that helps young people uh, around issues to do with their mental health. And so I met up with Liam and Laura, who both work there, and chat to them a little bit about their experiences of working there, about um, young people and mental health, uh, social media, uh, pressures of university and school and that sort of thing. And then they shared some of their experiences, especially Laura. She's shared uh, a lot of her very personal experiences around um, sort of homelessness and mental health. And uh, they were really interesting conversations. So uh, Laura only joined us towards the end. So the first part is me and Liam having a chat. And then um, then towards the end, Laura joins us and, and I talk with her. Um, so, yeah, here it is. So uh, my name's Liam. I'm from Off The Record in Bristol. We call ourselves OTR. Um, and so, yeah, we're here in Bristol. We're in the Old Market area of Bristol, which is quite a new... We're in a new building uh, we've just moved here in the last six months and this is where we host all, all kinds of kind of groups and projects for young people uh, 11 to 25 that come along and need a bit of uh, bit of support. What sort of thing do you do here? In my personal role so I'm the I, I work on the marketing and the digital and the communication stuff so uh, a big part of that is to kind of communicate with young people what they can get when they come here or depending on where they are in their life, if they're struggling with exam pressure or if they've got some relationship issues with their family, whatever it might be, um, the most important thing that I can do is let them know what there is here at OTR that can help them. And sometimes that might just be a bit of information, um, might be some downloadable stuff that they can look at on our website. Um, But for a lot of people, it's more than that. They can come in and join a group, Uh, link up with other young people in in the various projects that we have and traditionally we've been known as um as a bit of a counseling service as well so we're we're over 50 years old and we've had the attachment for all that time of being a counseling service it's the the connotation of two chairs in a room one therapist who's gonna kind of listen to you um we're trying to move away from that really and we're we're more of a, a movement really in mental health is what we're trying to achieve with young people so a lot of our services are designed by young people they tell us what they want and we allow them to make it happen we give them the space and the tools that they need to put on a new group or host a new project Um, and I've gone off on a big tangent there but yeah my role is to kind of make people aware of that stuff really. So what are those sort of projects that people do? So there's lots the the two big ones that I think at the minute um, mentality project is an anti stigma campaign, so that's where young people who have some kind of experience of mental health it might be personal to them or it could be via their friends or family they've 
experienced a struggle in some way and usually that's systemic as well like they've struggled to get support or they've had support and it's been really rubbish (laughs) um so as a social action project and campaign they come together to design almost kind of marketing materials and um ways in which they can deliver presentations to schools and to influencers and to institutions um, just to spread a more positive message around mental health and reduce the stigma that's attached to it and show them show everyone really that you know young people can achieve like amazing things when they put their minds together that's one of them freedom youth is another one which is an lgbtq plus project Um, And so, again, young people questioning their gender or their sexuality come together and we have weekly kind of workshops and meetings where they'll come together and um, share experiences, talk. There's space there, too, for kind of one-to-one support if if they need it. But what we're finding more and more is actually that kind of communal aspect, that community aspect is what's really important. Young people speaking to one another and, and sharing experiences. So those are two really popular groups that we've been running for quite a few years now. Um, and there's new stuff popping up all the time. I've, there's a walking group that we do. There's art therapy groups, drama therapy. Um, so we're always keen to explore whatever young people um, kind of have a desire to, to do and what they would find helpful. We will find a way to make that happen. Do you get to do any of these things yourself? I uh, pop in and out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's important for me to know what they are and um, understand, you know, how they're helpful, so that I can relay that in our in our messaging and our branding. Um, I'd like to do that more. I think mentality. I've been involved with personally um, because that's a, one of the longer running sessions that we've had. So I've been here six years, and mentality has grown, you know, really, really in, in a big way over that time. And off the record's grown in a big way as well. We see over 3,000 young people a year now, and that's just in Bristol and South Gloss. There's a a large number of young people um, coming through our door, and we have to find a way to kind of make something work for each and every one of them. So what's the working culture like off the record for the staff? Because I imagine if you're working in these these areas where I think people can come with a lot of traumas and and mental health issues, I Mm. guess it could be... My assumption is that some of that can be sort of offloaded onto the people that work around them. So is there sort of a well-being culture within the people that work here? Yeah, I think it's really important to practice what we preach um, because we 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 spend all of our time telling young people to look after their well-being and giving them tips and resources on how to do that. And that has to be reflected in our staff and volunteers, otherwise we'd be total hypocrites, to be honest. So, yeah, there's a real self-care culture with working here. I think it's the most attentive and compassionate place that certainly I've ever worked, and it's, it's a really nice place to be around. And I think, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of things in place for people that work here and volunteer here. Staff yoga, lots of social events, but more importantly, yeah, on a day-to-day basis, it is you have to acknowledge that some things that you're hearing and seeing can be difficult and might stay with you. So there are really kind of um, rigid clinical supervisions in place for our therapists as well, and they get, so they are supported through their jobs. Why do you think there is such a stigma around mental health? 
Um, I think it's a historic thing, and I think it's getting a lot better. Uh, I don't think we're there yet. But I, th- I think it boils down to misunderstanding, uh, lack of education, frankly. It's not ever really been on the agenda in schools up until now, so um, it's kind of been brushed under the carpet for way too long. And I think, actually, what we've been conscious of in what we do is that our name is off the record, <laughs> which implies uh, a secrecy, um, and it implies that it could be potentially something to not talk about and you have to be off the record. So that's why we're moving to OTR. Um, and that's why we're doing so much work to actually say, this is really normal. Everybody experiences, everybody has mental health. Everybody experiences difficult things in their life. And um, it's how you deal with that, how you can be resilient, which is a buzzword, resilience, and we'll probably come on to that. <laughs> but... Um, I think it's just the fact that I don't think the media helps yeah. in many ways as well. Um, I think it's a combination of things that are really unhelpful kind of narratives around mental health that have, that we need to change. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the buzzword thing because I'm quite interested because there is a lot more talk and stuff around mental health, but I sometimes wonder how much of it is just part of companies sort of marketing and how much is there actually a change yeah. going on and it's I mean that, that's an open question for me I haven't got an answer yeah I think it's a positive thing I mean I know our CEO Simon would say he would question the validity and the usefulness I suppose of the constant stream of articles that are coming out whether they're from celebrities or look at this workplace and what they're doing to support their uh, workforce. It has to be meaningful. It has to actually be something that can be applied in practice and not just lip service, really. Um, we obviously, in my job, monitor all of the conversations that are happening in the news around mental health. And there's a big debate, actually. You would get different opinions in different areas of this organisation. But when celebrities come out and talk about it, it has to be done in such a careful way because it can't. It's not a fashionable thing to be struggling, and it's not a fashionable thing to have something, you know, wrong. Perhaps so. It has to be done in. I, I feel that any celebrity that can come out and normalise their experience, <clears throat> young people can relate to it, um, pick up tips, pick up resources. That is much more meaningful to me. And I think the workplace thing, we, we do some work, actually. We go into yeah. different companies and give them tips and techniques that they can pass yeah. on to their, their workforce. Oh, nice. I see, yeah, well, actually, when I look at a lot of those, um, the, the sort of celebrity sort of mental health coming out stories and things like that, I, I feel sometimes there's this tendency to have this sort of, like, I was struggling with that and look what I did and now I overcame it and I I now don't have any sort of mm. issues with my mental health whereas in my personal opinion I, I think it's more of like an ongoing process yeah. that you've always been so I think part of my journey travelling around is to show that like I've had experiences with sort of depression and anxiety and I still do mm. and it's not a question of sort of mm getting to a point where it's all cured and that's and this is a, a place you can get to where you'll never experience any problems. It is sort of like about, I guess, like 
not wanting to use that buzzword, but like that resilience of being able to sort of continually yeah. be aware of how we're going. And I think sometimes those sort of celebrity stories and other stories you see quite often on like sort of TED stage sort of things, it's like, right. like this is a goal to get to rather than an ongoing process. Yeah, and I think there's two things that I can pick out from that that are really interesting is where you say celebrities coming out, even that term implies the shame around yeah. it, which is silly um, because it shouldn't be a shameful thing. And and obviously with our LGBTQ work as well, we use the term coming out all the time. But actually, it's your identity; it's who you are. Um, and and also the labelling that is often associated with mental health. So a lot of people, I think, probably in that celebrity culture, it becomes a label and it becomes a well, I have depression. That's indefinitely me. Well, that defines who I am. Um, and like you say, actually, everybody has mental health. Things are going to happen throughout your life, particularly when you're young and you're figuring the world out. Think Some things are going to be really great and other things are going to challenge you. And, um, yeah, I don't think it's... Um, I mean, I see a lot of stuff online where uh, people kind of wear mental illness as a as a label and a badge and... I wonder how helpful that is sometimes. I wouldn't do that with my physical health. I wouldn't change my username to Broken Arm Liam, you know. But there's lots of people that kind of yeah. find that that is them. And I think on the on the higher end of the of the scale where you are dealing in mental illness, that can be obviously it can be helpful in some ways. But I think with what we do at OTR, it's more acknowledging that this is something that happens for everyone. And there are ways that you can equip yourself to, to deal with, with yeah. life. <laughs> so maybe you can be like, yeah, maybe you are an anxious person, but you're actually only anxious in this certain situation. And yeah. the rest of the time, you're quite comfortable. Exactly. And not, so to define yourself as an anxious person because of that, like, two hours a week where you're in a situation where you feel anxious yeah. is, is sort of ignoring the other I don't know how many other hours there are in a week. And also what it boils down to is that mental health is as political and social as it is personal. So if you're feeling anxious, then the chances are that there's, there are a set of circumstances around you that have made you feel that way. Maybe your job isn't going so well, your employment might be difficult, your edu- you might be having a hard time at school... It would be weird if you didn't respond to that by being anxious, if that makes sense. That That's part of the, the bump in the road. And I think it's then understanding how you can deal with that and, and kind of ride that wave and know how to take it into the next situation that might be difficult for you. So that's part of kind of normalising the conversation around mental health. So I guess bringing stuff into schools and so people learn about this at a young age is actually I mean it's very important in that normalizing process because Mm. I mean I don't know I didn't listen that much at school but I'm pretty sure we were never encouraged to sort of share too much about our feelings and what was going on and Mm. I think it took me till I was in my late late 20s to realize that I wasn't the only person in the world that was experiencing what I was experiencing yeah exactly I think I think it's a separate conversation, but I think a lot of the stuff that's taught at schools, it could be uh, questioned, and you could probably replace it with something more useful, <laughs> to be quite honest. But we do a lot of work in schools. We go into schools and kind of deliver assemblies, and 
uh, you know, in smaller groups too, we'll, we'll speak to students, and particularly at universities as well, actually, because that's one of, from the point I just made about when life gets difficult and it throws up anxieties and, you know, periods of, of sadness or loneliness, actually university is a, a big uh, point in anyone's life where things change uh, beyond recognition and it's a whole new set of social uh, settings and it's a whole new heap of work to be doing um, deadlines and all that stuff and so we do a lot of work in unis to say actually you know if you're feeling that way it's because things are stressful and just what can you do to look after yourself in that in that period of time so I guess in that sort of that university time it's also the time where you're sort of told or, or expected right now you need to be an adult more yeah than you were at school like there's less sort of not someone holding your hand and so there's that added pressure of like having to sort of madly pretend that you know what's going on and know what to be an adult is where really like if yeah. people were encouraged to talk and realize that actually nobody has a sort of an idea of what they're doing everyone's yeah. sort of making Every, it everyone's winging it everybody Every, is winging everyone's it. winging it but i guess it's not hasn't been part of our culture that everyone's winging it. No, and expectation is a big thing, especially for young people. It's keeping up with peers. Um, social media plays a big part in that as well. I think when you look at uh, sites like Instagram and, and Facebook, even it's kind of like I'm expected to look this way or be doing these things or have this amazing fun life, and actually I'm kind of sat here. I've been sat here doing nothing for three hours straight and it's kind of that com- comparative and competitive nature for young people where and this is where the media really doesn't help and in a lot of ways it's like well that isn't my life so I must be failing yeah it's <laughs> just not the case at all <laughs> yeah I mean I've read more and more about sort of um around sort of loneliness and like I've experienced like loneliness myself quite a lot and I think I think that's a really prevalent part of society that isn't talked about that much and I think mm-hmm. it's things like those like social media when you're looking at it and thinking like everyone else is having so much fun everyone else yeah. is a part of these amazing communities and connected and I'm just sitting here and I don't really know what what to do and I feel by myself and I actually yeah probably the some other people that you're projecting these ideas of their like wonderful life are also feeling similar experiences so yeah exactly social media is there it creates the ability to connect but in many ways it's made everything much harder to connect on a more on a more intimate level level as well well, yeah yeah definitely I don't want to I mean it's part of my job so I'd be it would be wrong of me to sit here and just blast social media because we know that lots of young people find out what we do um on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff um and and the stuff that we put out, which but that's that's how you can make yeah. it helpful. You can connect young people to resources and to other organisations. Um, so as bad as it can be, and this conversation is to be had around bullying and self-image and all that stuff. Um, it can be a real powerful tool as well. I mean, we, you found us on yeah. Twitter, I think, and we've connected and made this happen today. It's, it it can bring people together, and that can be amazing. Yeah, no, I'm a strong yeah. believer in that as well. It's the awareness of how you use it. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm using uh, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, probably more than ever since I've been on this journey, mm. and have the website and stuff. So, yeah, without it, 
I feel like it would be a much harder struggle. So it's just being aware of sort of how to use it. And yeah, I try and like sort of create a balance of sort of actually sort of where I'm going, but also showing sort of some of the sort of like more sort of difficult aspects of what I'm doing as well. Yeah, so it's sure. not too much of a like, this is amazing, because often it's not. Mm. It's really difficult yeah, most yeah. of the time. Yeah. But that's what makes it worthwhile sometimes. You know, sometimes you spend such a long time trying to edit two conversations together to sound smooth and you realise it's beyond your grasp. So you put a talking bridge in to bridge the conversation. So here we go. Here's the next bit of the conversation with Laura back in the room. The team leader for the front end. So my job is to make off the record as accessible to young people as possible, but also make sure young people are accessing the right service at the right time. So our doors is open, they're open to everybody, anybody who uses them. But what we find is that we're not always the right service or the right fit for young people. So my job is to try and create a team and help them engage young people and then have a conversation with them about, are we the right service? Um, and if we're not, that's absolutely fine, but can we help you up to the right one? So that, that's sort of what I do now. Um, yeah, and that involves assemblies, Training up like young volunteers, um, doing big meetings. Like we got downstairs today with camps and off the record, getting them to talk to each other. Um, to does a full a whole range of things. Um, but I've been on and off the record for about ten years. Um, so how I got into the job was I was um, a young person. I was homeless by the age of fifteen um, in a really tricky family life. Um, yeah, lived in tents and under uh, bridges um yeah uh you could have said that I had a mental illness but I never see myself as that it's quite from a deprived background so that was never in my language um yeah and then I abused alcohol for a few years and then it wasn't until I was about 18 um I was volunteering here and there and then I found this um drugs and alcohol project and there was a youth worker um yeah changed my life bless him um so he got me into sort of education, he gave me he got me to go and teach drugs and alcohol sort of awareness to other young people, which in effect helped myself. Um, and then when I went to college, um, they said, oh, go to this place off the record and do some volunteering there. Never heard of off the record, didn't know what it was about. Um, and so I turned up and it was very sort of middle white class. <laughs> Walked in and I was like, oh, I don't belong here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I walked in and I was like, oh, counselling, that's just for crazy people. So I had all the usual stereotypes, whilst I was just also going through my own stuff. And so I started volunteering. Um, and at first I was doing like sort of daily phone stuff and admin and laminating. And, like, um, yeah, and then doing a database system. Um, uh, and whilst I was doing that, I was also training up in different other fields as well. So then I started becoming a youth worker in Johnson Eichel and a detached youth worker. So I started training up in that field. Um, and then Simon come into post. Um, we sat down. We said everything that's wrong with off the record. Um, so this is this is like ten years ago. So we sat down and said, what's wrong with off the record? It wasn't diverse enough. It's not offering a diverse enough service to young people. So of all these things, and then Simon said, okay, so we want you to set up your own project. Um, and from there, then I set up that mentality. Um, and mentality is an anti-stigma campaign group. It's for young people. Um, and it's using some of the stuff that I had from that youth worker. So it's about building relationships, it's about building confidence and self-esteem. Um, 
Yeah, and then I did volunteering with Mentality. When Mentality first was set up, it was one of the only mental health campaigning groups, um, and it was very new. So going into schools, um, there was like, no, we don't want to, like, we don't want you to come in and teach us to like mental health. Or um, when I first started talking about the project to other workers or other youth workers, I was like, oh, do you do that? Is that okay? Can you talk about mental health with other young people? And like, yeah. So it was, a, it was a very different sort of um, landscape then. What do you think there? Um, why, why do you think they didn't think it was an appropriate thing to talk about back then? Um, because it was going to traumatise the young people further. So that was the main thing. They were scared that if a young person talked about suicide or talked about how to improve mental health in schools, that was going to make the young person more depressed or more ill. So it's better to repress yeah. these things. Yeah, yeah, it? and I was too the opposite. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, fight the system, let's change it. Uh, yeah. And so, and we've done loads of things with, uh, we've been in sort of magazines where young people talked about their stories. Um, Mentality's had a really big impact in Off the Record and how it runs and works. Um, we've been to London, we've won awards, um, it's helped thousands of young people, um, yeah. And then then last year I was saying to Simon, I'm still not happy with like the front end of Off The Record, the inside, it's great, all the projects, staff members are brilliant, but how Off The Record communicates itself to young people and how young people get into the service is really difficult and the message is not clear. So then that's when I was changed and promoted the front end so that's my story and my journey in ATR in a nutshell what so what are you doing what are those changes that you're you're thinking about or making or have made to make it more accessible to young people okay um so there's been a lot over a year um so we now have online registration um so basically this time last January um young people the only way they could get into off the record is that if they had to call up um and book in for what we call a choice appointment um, and that's the only way in. Um, obviously, young people don't call these days. Um, getting booked in for assessment, first of all, is it a medical model? And we're not in a place where we come from a medical background. Um, so that's a, that's a little bit sort of controversial. Some, um, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there's loads of other problems with that. So fast forward here. The young people can now sign up online. Um, and hopefully there's going to be a new website next week. Um, so they sign up online they no longer text, call or um, phone us that's not the main way to get into contact with us um, they can also come and drop in so we have what we call hub spaces where it's informal calf run by young people who are trained between 18 and 29 um, who's used the service um, and young people drop in get a cup of tea, get some biscuits and then the young person sits down and just explains what we do um, so the assessment and risk bit gets done when they access the service um, we we now we do the bit where we just get people interested, um, yeah, and 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 explain what we do and how they access it. So there's much more relationship building before let's sit down and assess you and that sort of stuff. Um, so that's different. And then we also have a team of people that go out and about and actually speak to young people where they are about what we do. So there's a lot, yeah. Oh, and we also now have a parent and carers drop in group as well. Um, yeah, I guess that's really important. The parents and carers as well drop in um, because I think often there's a focus on how do you help the people that are 
going through the experience themselves and there's sometimes a lack of, sort of help and support for the people that are around them and supporting them and I, and I think often it can be hard for those people to really know what the right things to do and so yeah um, it's good to hear that you yeah and it's, it's very interesting the relationship with young people and parents um, sometimes oh, I don't mean it seems to be nasty but sometimes you get parents coming in and being really pushy and um, I think because there's a lot more language around mental health and what it is there's a lot more parents and carers going oh my child's got ADHD or got yeah. this and being quite pushy about that and in those situations, it's great to have the young person on their own and be really confidential and say, actually, we're working with the young person, we're going to work out what they need. Um, uh, because actually what we find most of the time is that's not true. It's just that the parents are so anxious. Um, uh, yeah, so that's been mindful of that. But then there's also times where actually it'd be great to do some family work because mm. actually the young person and the parent are going through stuff. So in those times, it's great to work with the family. And that's what the social work team is going to be set up to do. Um, but then sometimes, because it is the mum or the dad being really pushy and being like, my son's playing the Xbox too much, he's got ADHD, it's good to just work with the parents and just do some general information work with them. Because um, they're not taught about teenage mental health, they're not even taught how to look after a teenager. Um, so it's nice to do some work just with them and going, actually, what is it being a teenager these days? What's normal teenage behaviour? What isn't? Um, so it's useful to do that sort of stuff as well. With me and um, Liam, we briefly touched on this, as sort of like the effects of social media and how that changed it. And I'm quite interested in in what we also briefly touched on sort of the sort of the power of social media to do good as well as all the bad things that you hear about in the media all the time. And I was wondering, like, sort of how, as someone that works for a, a mental health organisation to help young people, what your experience of sort of social media and the effect that has on young people i think it we need to be honest social media is um changed the way that young people communicate they don't communicate anymore between phones and uh through um talking it's all through phones text whatsapp um so i think it's bigger so that then also if you think about the relationship on mental health it's a lot about how we feel and how we communicate that of course it changes the way that young people experience mental health difficulties um and I think as professionals, we need to be in touch with that. Um, uh, and then, but social media does have a positive and negative stuff. Um, I think if you have a look at young people, sort of the more eleven to fourteen year olds now that really grown up with social media, um, they don't know how to communicate face to face, so they've lost social skills, which then causes them to have social anxiety. So that's the negative there. Um, there was two young people yesterday that just couldn't talk to each other. They just sat on their phone, what app with each other, and then they're talking to me saying they're feeling really socially anxious. And I'm like, you're not feeling socially anxious, you just haven't got the skills to communicate in a social setting. Um, and there's a difference. So there's that sort of side of it. But then there's the other side where actually for some young people, it gives them community, it gives them a way to voice what's going on for them, um, it helps them explore and learn new things, which are all stuff that you need for positive mental health. Um, yeah. How would you use? How would you build up those tools if people are, are not used to sort of having those communication skills? What are some things you can do to sort of help people have them? It's practice, just like anything else. It's practice. So it's exposing a young person in that environment. So there's a little bit of what you do one to one with communicate, like giving them some confidence. 
but then it's putting them into groups like mentality. Um, a great thing about mentality is that you, because you're focusing on a, something that isn't yourself, it's another, like you're focusing on a campaign, then you don't realise you're building up your social skills. Um, so something like that is really good to build up those tools. Um, but then there's other things like just going to a board game club or um, just putting yourself in a situation, you don't have to talk, just seeing what else is around you. Um, so just going to a group where it's like a walking group where you don't talk, you just walk and you just see how other people communicate. It's things like that that could help young people build up those skills. So you think over, over the last 10 years since you've been part of Off the Record, um, or I guess over your life, so what are some of the biggest changes you've seen around this sort of area of mental health? I think it's just the language. I think we are, we almost have gone too far the other end. So our mental health wasn't talked about and wasn't mentioned. And there's the devil or whatever. Um, so now mental health has been much more commonly used in our language and we're using it incorrectly. So we're mocking illnesses with our language sometimes. But we're actually using it as an excuse so now we're talking about mental health, but in an unhealthy way. So it's like trying, yeah. So there's a, I think there's a bit. That's the biggest difference I think I've seen. Um, and then also like the political arena. There's mental health is a real hot topic at the moment, um, and there's much more out there that there's a crisis, a pandemic of young people struggling. Um, which again, young teenager life always has been difficult, and it being a teenager sucks. <laughs> so, again, it's the government over labour and young people's normal experiences. But it's great to have mental health so much talked about um, in the political arena because that does bring it to light. Um, yeah, and then I guess mental health services has also changed quite a lot. Um, no longer is there funding for traditional one to one counselling, um, it's all looking at CBT. A lot of that around CBT works as loads of help for, for um, yeah. But so then, so so mental health services now have to offer different services and think more creatively of what to offer because there's lack of funding for the traditional one-to-one counselling. It's funding for resilience work or group work. Um, so that's impacts how mental health services are shaped. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing or just a thing? Uh, I think it's a good thing, but again. Because the so but one to one counselling still works, um, but it's hard to evidence and hard to research, but it does work, um, so we can't not fund it, but people are forgetting to fund it. Okay. But it's also mental health. The way that someone recovers from mental health difficulties, it can be no, number of different ways. Um, so it's good that people are being forced to look creatively about what mental health support they provide. So actually, I see what from what you were talking about about your sort of earlier life, and then how you sort of moved when you came across off the record and volunteering, how you used those those experiences to actually help others. And I think like I think that's really important. Yeah, I think that, yeah. I mean, I found when I had like sort of really sort of quite sort of crippling depression and anxiety. I remember just thinking there's nothing useful that can come out of this. This is like just all terrible. Yeah. And there's no future in it. Like everything's futile. But actually now when I look back on it, that those particularly intense times I see they were pretty formative in in how my life is now. And um They have such a big impact, yeah. don't they? And they're the bits that when I go back and reflect on my life 
they're the, the ones I come to first and not necessarily always in a negative way but in a way like actually that changed something in me and it helped me connect to something different that my life was it wasn't part of my life before it's like a connection to myself but also like an empathy for others to see through it so I think it's really important to help people realize that these experiences they're having are not they're not uh, unusual experiences and they're not shameful experiences and they're not experiences that you shouldn't talk about that are actually in fact the opposite and I yeah. just really strongly believe the more people can it can be normalized that you can talk about these things then the that that's just the biggest change I can see that 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 will change the world it will yeah yeah people so I really like meeting other people that are sort of following a similar passion to that and I think it's good so you can get in contact with OTR online the web address is otrbristol.org.uk and on the website you can see everything that we do, all the projects and groups and you can sign up to them if you're a young person in Bristol. Uh, you can call us between Monday and Friday 2 till 5 on 0808 808 9120 and we'd also love it if you joined up with us uh, on social media so at otrbristol is our username on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And you can find out more about what I'm doing with Ministry of Change and my journey at theministryofchange.org. Links to all the social media on there and my blog and that sort of thing. And um, I also, I'm trying to start up this thing on the podcast where at the end I'm going to give a few minutes to reading out some of your own stories around mental health. and so you can go to my website and there's a section called share your story and you can submit uh, your own story there and you can do that either anonymously or not anonymously and uh, I think it'd be really nice to create an open space at the end to hear some of these stories uh, that you're experiencing yourselves and for now that's me over and out